Hey, it's Andrew Morgan, host of the NOMCAST, the Netflix original movie podcast. Each week we preview and review the biggest Netflix original movies with special guests from the film industry, the music industry, comedians, and of course our fellow critics and podcasters. The NOMCAST is available on nomcastpod.com or wherever you get your podcasts, on the socials at nomcastpod, and is a part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Dave. And join us every Thursday for a new episode of Two Player Bros, a podcast about two guys who play way too many video games. Join me and Dave as we talk about the latest in Xbox, PlayStation, PC, and VR news, previews, and reviews. We have it all, and we play it all. And join us every other week for Post Game, where we play through and dive deep into our favorite modern classics and new releases. That's Two Player Bros, available every Thursday wherever you get your podcast. part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. Forgotten Cinema is now looking for a new co-host to join myself, Mike Field, because Mike Butler's a bitch. Cooperator Revenge is coming! This is my town! Oh, no, Which is I would love you, to do a James Bond podcast. I'll do it right now. Cancel the other podcast. You son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> what about all these women? These are all women, beautiful women. Where are the regular women? <laughs> Lisa gets to Los Angeles. Is this the movie that's going to end the show? It's going to end the podcast? Because <laughs> this movie, like, I cannot, I cannot tell people to watch this movie. Like, I will not. This movie is not good. You get the hell off this podcast. <laughs> Let's take it to the limit one more time. Hey there, I'm Mike Field. And I'm Mike Butler. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast, Season 9, The Season of Summer. Each episode this season, we're highlighting a film that had a coveted summer release date, but for a variety of reasons was forgotten or straight up ignored by audiences. Whether it was because it was pitted against a tentpole film or it was given a limited release run to fill out a studio schedule. We'll discuss what we love about the movie or perhaps don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. If you enjoy our podcast, we want to hear from you. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Find us. Our podcast is available on all platforms with a backlog of 100 episodes for your listening pleasure. Oh, yeah. That's right. Butler, let's take it to the limit one more time. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, why don't you let everyone know what we're doing? And you can then you could just dive right into that synopsis. Like Ooh. We like to do. Today we are talking about the 2006 action crime thriller Miami Vice. A case involving drug lords and murder in South Florida takes a personal turn for undercover detectives Sonny Crockett and Ricardo Tubbs. Unorthodox Crockett gets involved romantically with the Chinese Cuban wife of a trafficker of arms and drugs, while Tubbs deals with an assault on those he loves. Oh. That's, That's it? it. That was it. Uh, that was it. Wow. The other one was like crazy long. Well, but we, it's, this is a little wrong because uh, Isabella is not the wife of the drug lord. She's his girlfriend or something, kind of. But also, we should say that this isn't lover. just the Miami Vice that you saw in the theaters. This is actually we're doing the Miami Vice director's cut, unrated cut, right? Extended edition, whatever you want to call it, that was released on Blu-ray, right, or DVD. When when DVD did it come and Blu-ray, yeah. it never came out in theaters at all. So we're not doing the theatrical release. Right. Because um, I have a question about that moving forward. But we were doing the director's cut or unrated yeah. cut or whatever you want to call well, it. Yeah, I'm, I chose it. So I assume that question was going to come up why I chose <gasps> right. that and, version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So runtime's 140 minutes, rated R. Production budget of $135 million, which makes sense. Release date was Friday, July 28th, 2006. So right smack in the summer. 
Opening weekend, it did $25 million domestic, 63. And then worldwide, its total was 164. Production company was Forward Pass. And I want to say that's Michael Mann's company, but I didn't look. That's my bad. Distributed by Universal Pictures. So I said it came out on the 28th of July. It went up against the Ant Bully, which is not Ants. It's the Ant Bully. And I don't I do not remember, but I want to say Kevin James is a voice in that. Uh, also, John Tucker Must Die. And then the limited release, uh, the movie Scoop, I think that was a Woody Allen film. John Tucker Must Die was also a limited release though, right? No, not, not that I read. Oh, okay. But it's not a... Those summer release, like the Ant Bully and John Tucker Must Die are not really great summer releases. I mean, I know you want to put a kid's movie for the Ant Bully, but that did not do well. Oh, no. Yeah. John Tucker Must Die, I didn't even realize I had a wide release. Yeah. I, mean, I was working at the theater at this point. We all were. Yeah. No. I thought it went right to DVD. <laughs> oh, maybe. Maybe I'm wrong. It's an interesting. It's a weird movie. I should say that the week before, excuse me, not a couple days before, which is the Wednesday, there was a Wednesday release, uh, a limited release of Little Miss Sunshine. So we might have had that as well at the theater. Well, I think we might have. Yeah. So the 4th of August, which is the week after, you had Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby, which I like, mm -hmm. uh, Barnyard, The Descent, and The Night Listener. And then the week before, the 21st of July, you had Monster House, oh, an episode that we did, Butler. Hey. And I think we discussed on that episode for Forgotten Cinema, which was season one, I believe, or two. No, it was it was our season two because it was our first Forgotten Horror. Oh, yeah. Uh, we said that that was, shouldn't have been released in July. It should have been in October release. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's a right. Halloween movie. So you, had, you also had Lady in the Water on the 21st, My Super Ex-Girlfriend, and Clerks 2. So I, and I must have assumed Clerks 2 was going to be really busy, or maybe Lady in the Water because that's Shyamalan. But, yeah, there we go. This is written and directed by Michael Mann. Uh, he has been nominated for an Oscar for The Insider, not just for directing, but also for production producer. And I want to say it was up for Best Picture. Was it up for writing? I'm not sure. He also did Thief. That's another episode we did. And Collateral. One go. of my favorite movies. One of his favorite movies. That's right. He also did Manhunter, Heat, and more recently Black Hat. Uh, he's also written Public Enemies, The Last Mohegans, and Straight Time. This is based on the TV show that starred, obviously, uh, Don Johnson and I'm blanking on his name. I don't know. Philip. You got this. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Philip Michael Thompson. Okay. Thomas. Damn it. I knew that. Okay. That was created by Anthony Yurkovich, and he is a big time TV guy. You probably know him more like from Hill Street Blues, maybe. That's that's one of the shows he did. Michael Mann was also a producer on Miami. He, he was. Michael Mann, yeah, he helped develop the show. And then I guess Jamie Foxx mentioned it to him at a party, hey, we should do this. And that's what happened. Uh, anyways, cinematography by Dion Beebe. Uh, he, not, he won an Oscar for Memoirs of a Geisha. He was nominated for the movie Chicago. He's also did 13 Hours and the upcoming The Little Mermaid, the live action one. Composer is John Murphy. He does Snatch, Sunshine, and the, the Suicide Squad, the new one that's coming out. Edited by William Goldberg and Paul Rubel. Or Rubel. Goldberg has won uh, the Oscar for Argo. He also was nominated for The Imitation Game, Zero Dark Thirty, Sea Biscuit, and The Insider. Those are pretty good movies. Yes. Uh, Paul Rubel, or Rubel, uh, was also nominated for The Insider because he obviously uh, edited that. He also edited Collateral Butler, and he was nominated for that. And The Fate of the Furious, which I do not know which one that is. Uh, that was the Four? last one that just came That's out. That's the wasn't? last one? I believe so. I thought the F, uh, maybe. Oh, is that by Fate? F8. Oh, I just got that. Interesting. There you go. Produced by <laughs> Pietre. Uh, I don't know if this is Peter or Peter. Anyways, this is also produced by Michael. <laughs> <Matt>. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. 
<laughs> I just skip past the producer, the credit if I don't know it. Uh, Colin Farrell plays Sonny Crockett. Uh, I know people probably know Colin Farrell from a lot of other movies, but I'm going to give you some movies maybe you don't know from, Ooh. like The Lobster, Tigerland, uh, obviously The Minority Report and SWAT. I couldn't ignore those. Jamie Foxx is Ricardo Tubbs. He won an Oscar for the movie Ray. He actually won the Oscar while shooting this, while he was in production for this movie, which uh, has some interesting facts uh, moving forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was nominated for an Oscar for his role in Collateral. He's in Jarhead and Any Given Sunday. He plays Willie Beeman. Uh, Gong Lee as Isabella. She is from Farewell, My Concubine, Memoirs of a Geisha, Curse of the Golden Flower, and the more recently Mulan movie. Naomi Harris as Trudy Joplin. Uh, she was nominated for an Oscar for her role in Moonlight. She's also Money Penny in Skyfall Inspector, the new Money Penny, right, Mike? Correct. And she's in Rampage. She's in Pirates. Yes, she was actually Calista. shooting Pirates the same time she was shooting this. Oh, really? So, I mean, I'll just get into it. Uh, she was shooting Miami Vice during the week, would leave and shoot her stuff on the weekends for Pirates. Oh, nice. Like well, that, that's ridiculous. Well, the pirate stuff is mostly for her character, all the soundstage stuff anyway. So but still, you now have a day off. Yeah. Well, good trying to cut your teeth. You're fine yeah. hearing two big movies at the same time. No, I got you. I'll do it. Yeah, I got you. Siren Hines as FBI agent Fujima. He's from The Woman in Black, the awesome film Munich, and the TV show The Terror. Justin Thoreau, which I didn't even realize he was in this movie, plays Larry Zito. He's in Wanderlust, the TV show The Leftovers, and it just came out on Apple Plus, The Mosquito Coast. He's also in a movie we just did this season. The Baxter. There you go. Uh, Barry Shabaka Henley as Castillo. Now, if for those who are big time Miami Vice fans from the TV show, Castillo was played by Edwards James Olmos. Mm-hmm. They offered it to him and he declined. So it would have been awesome to see him play the same character. It would have been. I just, you know, I guess he just didn't want to do it. But uh, Henley has been in The Terminal, Lord of Illusions and Life. John and Ar- Collateral. That? And Collateral. He I was the jazz man. And that's one of the best scenes in the film. There you go. John Ortiz as Jose Yero from the Fast and Furious. Excuse me. From Fast and Furious. Not the. I apologize. Uh, Silver <laughs> Linings Playbook and The Drop. Elizabeth Rodriguez as Gina Calabrese. Or Calabrese. She's in Dead Presidents, Logan and Fresh. Dominic Lombardozzi plays Stan Swit. Switek? Switek. Yeah. He's yeah. plays Stan. Uh, he's in the TV show The Wire, which is an awesome, awesome TV show. He's also in A Bronx Tale and Bridge of Spies. Eddie Marzon or Marson is Nicholas. I think that's Marzon. Is Nicholas. He's in The Gentleman, Snatch, Vice, and the TV show Ray Donovan. Uh, Tom Towles. It played Coleman. He actually passed away six years ago. Uh, he's in the 1990 version of Night of the Living Dead. He's also in The Rock and House of a Thousand Corpses. And then he had a brief... Uh, Cameo, I guess, by John Hawks as Alonzo. He's not really a cameo. He's in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, he was nominated for an Oscar Winter's Bone. He's in the TV show Deadwood and the movie Secessions. And <laughs> so the guy who plays Montoya, Luis Tosar, mm-hmm. you know what movie he's in? No. He's in the movie The Vault. And the reason why I bring that up is because The Vault is on row eight. Go watch it now. <laughs> uh, who did he play in The Vault? I have no idea. Probably. I have no idea. All right. So one of the things I wanted to ask you, because I first and I, maybe I'm wrong, but my recollection of the theatrical version of this movie has scenes where they are having gunfights in not this kind of shipyard, but a bigger shipyard with where it's lit brighter and it's, there's bigger shots, there's wider shots. And there's almost like they're in like... Um, I don't know why like they're in like a Navy shipyard or something like that. Like I have a completely different. Do you have the image of a big white ship and then there's an overarching crane with like four big lights? Yes. Down yeah. 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 I had the same, so same image in so my the, head. Is the, am I wrong? Is that from a theatrical? 
I don't know because although the setup is different, some of the shootout remains the same. But it's dirtier. It's darker. It's dirtier, it's dirtier and it's darker for sure. So yeah, but the and here's the thing with the end of the film is that the end of the film was actually supposed to be in uh I want to say it was supposed to be in the Dominican Republic. Is that right? Or Paraguay? It was supposed to be somewhere else. It was supposed to be Ciudad del Este and where they shot or where they were filming in Paraguay. Mm-hmm. But so uh, just I'll get into it. Because I hate doing these, I hate doing backgrounds on movies where they talk about people who are, who are troubled to work with. Because you don't know. You don't know where these stories come from. You don't know if they're legit. But right. this is the note I have, and then we'll go through it and figure out if we believe it or not. So during production, uh, Jamie Foxx won an Oscar for his role in Ray. He comes back, and I guess he starts making demands. Uh, I get, he was already being paid less than Colin Farrell. So he demanded a raise, and they just they cut ended up cutting Colin Farrell's salary. So they basically... Farrell just, they cut his salary. That's, that's the thing. <laughs> he refuses to, he refused to fly commercially. So he forced Universal to provide a private jet. He wouldn't be, be in any scenes uh, on boats or planes, but he is on a scene on a boat. So, you know, that might be before that. I might, we might just take that note out the window. And while they were rec- filming in the Dominican Republic, there were gunshots were fired and that halted production. He straight up just leaves the country after that, packs up and leaves and refuses to work outside of the United States. So man had to rewrite the entire ending of the movie to put it where they were. Now, again, I, who knows, who knows, you know, when you hear stories like this, right. I, I mean, I understand that Hollywood's a little, a bit hypocritical and there's a lot of stuff that you have to do. And, you know, a lot of people treat you if you're not a commodity. Winning an Oscar definitely puts you in the different stratosphere. Oh, yeah, to for make sure. Demands. And if he felt that he was making concessions, I'm talking about Jimmy Fox, making concessions to be in this movie and he wasn't happy with it and he then had leverage. I don't really I understand saying, hey, screw you. You know, you can fly me private. I understand that. I just think when you make a commitment to something, you just do it. And you know what I mean? Yeah, but for your next film, start making demands. Uh, I, yeah. But again. Take this with a grain of salt because you don't know who writes this note and it could just, it, we could be, it's only one side of the story. So I don't want to, you know, I don't want this to ha- us being viewed negatively on Jimmy Fox because I think he's really good in the movie. I actually really liked this movie in terms of its style. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So, but I just want to put that note because the whole ending changed. So the whole ending was rewritten to, to be where they were. Right. So whatever we thought or whatever we saw, maybe that was part of that, that they, he just basically cut out for the, Unrated version to try to make it more cohesive. But, but I'm glad you right. thought. Yeah, I'm glad you thought about. You had that image in your head. That was the image I, I had in my head. Right. right. Yeah. I mean, I remember a lot of the shootouts the same. But yeah, that that image in my head, or that brightness and that right. cargo container, absolutely. I mean, so at the end of the movie, they actually play the song uh, "In the Air Tonight." Right? Is it called "In the Air Tonight"? Yes. Yeah. And it's a remix. It's not. It's a. It's by Nonpoint. The band right. Nonpoint. But that was not in a theatrical movie. No, they had no right. in the air tonight. But I love it in this film. It needs you know to be. I mean? in this yes. Film. The thing that made Miami Vice the pilot stand out and why everybody started watching Miami Vice was the show had so much style and had popular music and really introduced the concept of TV shows and episodes introducing you to new artists. Mm-hmm. And Phil Collins in the air tonight was a big part of that because they drive up to the last shootout in that pilot episode to in the air tonight playing. Mm-hmm. So Michael Mann even said when the movie was released to kind of mediocre reviews, he said he missed the ball on that. That was one of the things people pointed out is you have this build up to this final fight and you don't play the most iconic song in the yeah. TV show that you based on. He goes, oh, I know I'm, I'm, I messed up. He messed up, but he also, 
he was he they people wanted to know if they wanted the original theme song in the right. movie. And he straight up refused. He said, no, absolutely not. No, I don't want the theme song. It's like, why not? You can't just do a remix. A whole yeah, movie. You can do an orchestral yeah. kind of remix. You, you couldn't have that. Moby do it or something because I know he's all over the soundtrack. Oh, yeah. He's at the end of it. Yeah. I, I, I didn't. I, there's a, there's a huge amount of style in this movie. It's it's pretty much 85% style. And I have no problem with that. Right. So I don't really view what I'm about to say as a negative, but like I have no idea about the backstories of Crockett and Tubbs in terms of them as characters. Yeah, I, I think the movie kind of misses the mark. I mean, I think that Michael Mann wanted to tell a story and really work on exploring undercover work and the drug trade and how it how it works between Miami uh, and, you know, South uh, Central America and stuff like that. And I think that he just used Miami Vice as an excuse to get that movie made. Mm, maybe, almost. yeah. So it kind of, you kind of do lose a lot of who Crockett and Tubbs are. Um, right. And you do lose, and I think this is something that Colin Farrell has said in interviews uh, after the movie was released, that there's not a lot of a friendship between the two characters. You don't get that connection that you need for a, a movie like this you they talk at that. each other a lot yeah which i dig the dialogue but they do just talk like they don't have a conversation almost right the dialogue's really realistic but it would be fine for a sequel but you need to establish that that shorthand beforehand sure. you gotta establish who they are and why they are the way they are and and how great of partners you are which you only kind of get hearsay about how great they are right and i'm glad that it's not a uh not a prequel, but an like origin an origin story. Yeah, I didn't want that. I didn't need an origin story, but a little bit more about them, a little bit more of them together because you separate them pretty early on in the movie. Yeah. And they don't really get together until the shootout where they're just shooting perpendicular to each other. Well, they don't. Yeah, they don't have a lot of scenes where it's them together. I don't, I didn't realize there was a crew. Like, I didn't realize that it was not just them two, but it was them and like four or five other people. Well, that's how they, yeah, in the show, these characters, all the, um, like Trudy, um, Sitwell, all them, they're all part of the Miami Vice squad. They don't usually work together. They're partners with each other. Right. But it's um, made it seem like sometimes they, were a they team. do. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes they have to work together with their undercover identities and stuff. Uh, so I, I, but also I didn't understand, I didn't remember from the theatrical cut if they were in as much as they were in this. You know what I mean? I think that it's, about this i think there's a lot more trudy stuff well, in the did, in the unread okay. unrated director's cut this time yeah i don't because i don't remember them going at the uh, uh going after the trailer going to get her out of the trailer when she's kidnapped oh that's in there yeah i don't remember i, I just don't remember a lot of theatrical cut the other thing but i want to go back to what you were talking about with sunny and uh tubs, tubs is that uh he falls in love with Isabella, which is the montoya's woman which i hate but yeah well i don't well the my problem with that is I don't know enough about Sonny to understand why he would fall in love with her. It doesn't make any sense if if you don't you don't get any kind of sense of, oh, I guess she's hot. So he keeps looking at her and then like he falls for her. I do think the unrated cut does a little bit better at giving you more scenes, all that Cuba stuff. You get a lot more um, Isabella and Crockett than you did in the theatrical. Okay. A lot more. Right. Um, and I do think that that fleshes it out because my original note, as soon as it started, uh, when they get on the boat together was this is the worst part of the movie that slows it down and makes it a standstill. Which when it they're does. actually on the boat and they're here. Anything yeah. between him and Isabella. I don't think that plot was necessary. Mm -hmm. But the unrated cut does do a little bit better of a job showing them falling for each other, even if it's unrealistic and doesn't make much sense. And you get the sense. But here's the thing. 
it's not like Montoya already knows because he assumes that she's sleeping with him to get information, get get information. So he has no problem. And then, you know, they fall in love and he, that's, you know, this is not just casual. That's the line. Yeah. But here's the thing. You're openly dancing in a club that you know is monitored and you have no qualms to hide how you feel about each other. You don't think that's going to blow back on you? Well, I think she assumes that he's he needs her. So she's safe. And then it turns out she's clearly not safe. But it takes up until um, was it Luis or no? Euro. Euro finds out that they're. Cops, or at least they're not who they say they are. Right. No, he, he's not he's, sure that they're cops she's, yet. But yeah, but she's betraying Montoya. Montoya, like, by know, this isn't casual. So Crockett, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not. See, this is the thing: is when I picked this movie, yeah. I really like this movie, but I know that this movie has a lot of flaws, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that you know a lot of it had to be rewritten on the spot. Obviously, Jamie Foxx thing, maybe. But also, I know that the hurricane uh, hurricane blew through there. And they had kind three of, hurricanes. Yeah, destroyed production and delayed it. And I remember reading online all the time about, you know, they had to pause production for this many months. Oh, they're back to filming and this and that. So I can see how this movie becomes kind of, it's muddled. It, it's not as cohesive as it could be. Well, I guess man was making sudden script changes during filming. Right. Whatever the reason for that, he was filming in unsafe weather conditions. Now these are people were complaining that he was filming in unsafe weather conditions, but I got to tell you the shots when he is, when the shots where the storm storm in the background is awesome. Oh no. They're so, so cool. Like those are like, you can't, the fact that those aren't faked is fantastic. It's just, it's awesome. It's part of the whole it's distinctly Atmosphere. Miami, yes, for sure, and it's a, a version of Miami you don't usually see, including the TV show, which only showed nice sunny days in Miami, sure. and you know the beautiful part of Miami. This Miami is leaves and palm tree stuffs all over the ground because the wind has battered it. Mm-hmm. Rain, it's cloudy. Those when they're on the rooftop, like you're talking about, and the thundercloud happens when he's yelling at um, Fujima. Yes, I'm like, oh, that's such a good shot. But yeah. also, you can totally see if you had read about the backstory yet that they're filming. Like it must have been hell to film this and get all the stuff down. I, I can understand the frustration of trying to make a fil- film and and having to do all these rewrites to work around that. You know, I've been rambling on enough. Let's uh, let's stop. Take okay. a pause. Yep. Listen right. to some sponsors, and I'm gonna drink some coffee while our sponsors start. Up. All right. All right. I'll do it. Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space, so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And be sure to add our podcast in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. And they were also shooting in locations that not even uh, not even cops would go down. So man was hiring gang members to security. Like, but they were but, that's classic but, man. But that's the thing. Yeah, that that's Michael <laughs> Mann. Now listen, uh, uh, you know, to each their own. But you should know going in when you're doing a Michael Mann movie, like what you're getting into. Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? I, I just whatever. But maybe that's why he doesn't do as much because people just you know can't handle it. But he's going to see you that day, Este. I mean, buying his own bootleg. Did you see that? I saw he bought it for two dollars. <laughs> yeah, he, no, twelve. Uh, no, he says two dollars. I features. on the note I said it was twelve. Oh, no, he bought it for two bucks. Uh, collateral. Collateral. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's fine. But it's it's that's who knows about that city? No one knows, and it's so cool, and it's such an interesting city to shoot in. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he had to get locals in there, and he had homeland security guys and some background characters just for extra protection yeah it's like you got homeland security around you he's paying gang members to protect you yeah so they don't need the ransom money you're safe yeah you're with a hundred other people yeah 
Like, uh, do the movie. Yeah, Come I on. I don't know. I don't know. That Mohobo that they keep using mm-hmm. that sells for $500,000. And they rigged it with all these different uh, camera yep. crew equipment yep. inside. And then when they were filming the, the boat race at the beginning, the crew inside, including the director of photography, had to get had to get out of the boat because it just kept jostling around because it was the waves were like pre-storm. So they were just like getting seasick. So <laughs> Michael Mann remained in the backseat um, shooting Jamie Foxx and Colin Farrell from the inside. But they couldn't do any more of the outside photography inside the boat no because they were just getting. Uh, was Fox around. on the inside because he was on the inside. So that, I think that I believe that the race stuff was filmed first. Yeah, because I remember I remember being very excited about this movie because I used to watch Miami Vice with my dad when he bought the series set on DVD. And originally, I think this was supposed to be made into a comedy movie, like a spoof. And that really? idea was that idea was nixed. I don't think Michael Mann was involved with that at all. Thank God. Uh, the studio just wanted to do that. And then, you know this movie was announced and the first shots of filming were a lot of the mojo boat stuff. So I think that was probably pre Oscar. So mm-hmm. it was cool with being in there, but um, I thought that was an interesting fact no, the boat I, and stuff. I have no, I have no qualms with the look of the film. I think it looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. I think it, it, you know, Michael Mann loves his blues, which is fine. You know, I mean, yes. we talk about all the time about in movies specifically in New York, uh, how New York, you know, a lot of the movies is, is one of the characters. Miami is absolutely one of the characters. Like this movie is, I would have been okay with a sequel. Like I would have been okay with a sequel. Oh, I film. put that this movie needs, they should have a sequel. Yeah. Absolutely. It won't because obviously there were problems. But do you know that it may, it earned, as of uh, 2007, beginning of 2007, it's earned $36 million on home video rentals. I believe that. Yeah. This opened number one at the box office and knocked off. Pirates Dead Man's Chest, which was number one for like a month, I believe. So it kicked that out. Um, but obviously, we already went through the numbers. It didn't didn't hold up. Yeah, no. But it, well, the I, thing about the theatrical cut is when you're watching the theatrical cut, it's it's got so much cut out. A lot of the Isabella stuff. Yeah, it doesn't have it in the air tonight. A lot of it just kind of chunks along, and it's just to try to maybe get it a more a quicker cut because this does run a little long. It does. This does this, slow down in the this middle. This was two twenty. What was the theatrical? 210? I believe like just slightly over two. Yeah. They must have cut a bunch of stuff out if I'm remembering things that I can't. I, I, mean, I know they cut a bunch of Isabella stuff out. I'm pretty sure they cut some of the Trudy stuff out. I wonder if this would have done well. I mean, I don't even know. Like we've asked this throughout the entire series of Forgotten Summer about whether this is a summer film. And I, I kind of think it is, but I don't know. I mean, you could make a case for it not being a summer film. It's. It's Miami. It's hot. It's kind of like a sexy movie, but it's also like dirty, slow, and it's it's definitely not an action film. So right, in that only, case, it's not yeah. really a summer film. A September film, maybe. Yeah, there's Just only getting off the summer. There's only maybe two, three action set pieces. Right, there's the sniper attack at the beginning, there's which the is cl- awesome. They blew that dude's arm off. That is gross. My and God, I guess they practiced to try to see what a fifty cal would actually do. They destroyed that car. They shot a used car to destroy it, and then they were, went back and they were like, "All right, this is exactly how yeah the actual car would be." I believe up. it. I mean, I I, I read all that stuff about heat when they were doing all the the sniper work shot through yeah. the chest. Did you see the the heat yep. coming off of it? The yep. fire. Yep. Oof. Now they blew that dude's arm clear. Well, obviously it was not a real guy, but they blew that that uh, dummy dude's arm clear like, off. You think they're dead enough? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because at the end, I'm like, he's dead. And then I just saw another shot. Boom. Like, oh, he's dead. <laughs> um, but oh, yeah. So like, aside from that, the scene when they storm the trailer 
in the end, yep. which is the, which the scene when they the, the scene when they storm the trailer and at the end is kind of this right after each other. It's really just a drama. It's not really it is, you it's, know, it's a, not really it's an action drama. Yeah. yeah, which I like. I like that. I really like the exploration of undercover work and stuff like that that they do in this mm-hmm. film. I just think that the love story kind of gets in the way. You don't get enough of Tubbs and Crockett together. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of ruins what was really interesting about the film. The scenes that are really interesting are them going to uh, Ciudad de Este and meeting, you know, all the crew and and uh, finally having a face-to-face with Montoya and all that kind of stuff. And then it slows down with Isabella. You know, it, it, oh, and it's really cool when they have the stolen drugs, they recover the stolen yeah. drugs that they stole. Yeah. Um, because it was blamed by Haitians and all that's really interesting. They and never go just, back to that though. Exactly. It's just muddled by 45 minutes worth of this story that you don't need. Yeah. Just based on the fact that we got to have a love story in it. Wouldn't it be cool if our undercover officer had something that made him, tempted him to go native, I guess, but yeah. he never was going to. They basically, they rob uh, the stash and blow up the two boats so that they can step in, which, I mean, don't you think that they would figure that out? That, oh, wait, two boats have been destroyed. Our, our transpose system to that's that we've been using right. was destroyed. And all of a sudden these guys, I get a phone call vouching for these guys that can do transpo. You know what I mean? Well, I think he probably had already put the word at that. We need no, guys. I understand right. that, but like, that's not on, in, that's not on the screen. We're assuming that we're kind of figuring that out. Well, we also know that they went in acting like Haitians, Haitian gang members. No, I get that. Right. I'm, I'm saying just, I'm saying that I own a computer and right. then I wake up one morning, my computer's destroyed. And then you were like, Hey man, I got a guy who's got a computer. I'm not going to be like, well, how did he know that I need a computer? Like, I'm not going to figure that out. Like, that's all I'm saying. Like just some lip service to that. Like the whole Eddie Marzon character. Uh, what was his character's name? The, the snitch they used or whatever. The, the guy who's uh, the Nicholas character. Nicholas, yeah. Like he's like, if I do this and it goes down, I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm dead. Well, guess what? It's gone down. And we never go back to Nicholas. So, but my thing was, I don't think we need to go back. I, I just, <laughs> I'm saying, like, you know, you, it's you, you've introduced a character, and then we just completely we get rid of him. You, he, they kidnap the, they take the shipment, they say, hey, we found the shipment, we came back, and we found this. We'll, so, you know, we'll give it back to you. Oh, thanks. And then, like, we don't ever kind of refer to it again. And then, well, I think the recovering of the shipment is the, one of the things that really puts Euro on the on the edge with them. He never like, liked them. He never liked uh, Crockett, but now I think he's, they're too good. Like that's like, come on mm-hmm. for free. You're going to give it to us for free. And Euro dies badly, which is good. And he really, he has, Bro, he what, he, he, with a grenade launcher and I grew well, something like oh, he a gets shotgun? an automatic shotgun. Yeah. yeah. Oof, right. Right to, in the chest. Blew him up. Nice. It was nice. <laughs> <laughs> but Michael Mann always does gunfights well and gunplay well. And you definitely, cause you definitely, there's a moment where they're behind the bad guys. And the camera's like splattered with blood. Oh, I love that moving. shot. It just and moves. He, yeah. It. Yeah. And this was like the note I have is like the one of the first big time movies, big studio films shot all digital. No, it's not. But OK, well, that's fine if you want to say that. Collateral is a big movie. So like, let's stop. Yeah. But they like you said, the, the inside of the club was not digital. And yeah, give me a break. That's kind of cheating. Give yeah. me a break. I, honestly, I think the di- shooting all digital really adds to the atmosphere of Miami in this movie. Um, Absolutely. You know what I mean? It's not clean. That's why he did it. He said he wanted, he did collateral all digital for the nighttime shots. And he did this all digital to show daytime 
in the way that it's oversaturated and kind of blown out and a, a different way of looking at daytime shots. If no, you do it all uh, apps, there's, yeah, you can, you can, if you don't like the movie for other reasons, that's fine. I mean, there's definitely, you know, there's definitely some uh, less than stuff going on script wise, but visually speaking, he's painting a picture on screen Oh, absolutely. and he's doing yeah. it well. I mean, this, Take us what you want, but <laughs> Harmony Corrin uh, was uh, cited this movie as a major influence for him doing Spring Breakers, and I've seen Spring Breakers. It does it was, <laughs> Spring Breakers is is a an acquired taste, and it's I'm okay with it, but it does have a specific look. You oh know yeah, what I mean, and it and you can definitely sense the Miami Vice okay. influence. Yeah, I can kind of see Breakers. that. Now, That's yeah. all I'm saying. Uh, whatever you like about the movie, you don't like it, you do like it. Uh, I'm just talking <laughs> about the look of it. I also the way this movie is edited, I think, is is really well done uh, compared to the theatrical cut, which obviously they just chunked the shit out of it. Mm -hmm. But I really liked how this movie flowed and I like how the cuts kind of some of the cuts are pretty shocking or jarring or or really well done and and interesting. I, I really love the cut like when Alonzo at the beginning you know, he's freaking oh, out yeah. and he's calling him and then you get that intermixed with the club scene. Mm -hmm. I think that's really well done. But then when he gets hit by the, when he kills when he himself, walks in front of the truck, he walks yeah. in front of the truck. I think the way that's edited and cut. Cause the camera goes to the left. You see just enough. Well, so the camera's on them and then the camera, they say their last line and they, it just, because they tell him, you know, there's no reason to go home. Right. And the camera moves off to the left and it goes up to like this, almost a skyline. Right. Giving you the idea that okay, next scene, and then it goes right back to John uh, to Alonzo, and he just steps in front of a front semi, of a truck, just like yeah. oh, and like yeah, and then, the, right, the and then the and then the stain. Oh my god, yeah. But then it cuts, so you don't see too much. No, you see just enough. Yeah, no, no, no. You like, get oh. you get the idea. Not great, not great. <laughs> uh, I'm curious what you thought of giving Tubbs the love interest. I know it's critical in the movie, so that I'm not really. I'm just. It felt, I don't know if it felt forced or I, I don't know what it is about it that I'm just kind of hesitant. I understand the con. I understand, excuse me. I understand Crockett's and Isabella's relationship because it influences the movie. Right. And I, it, I don't want to know why that the Tubbs Trudy relationship. I'm wondering if that is just to give Tubbs an emotional connectivity to what's going on. Uh, I think that that's there to give you a juxtaposition between Crockett and Isabella's love. I got Tubbs and Trudy are is a real love. It's a it's an okay love. It's a love that's correct and right and and, and real. And Crockett and Isabella have to get there. So you get these kind of alternate scenes, like you get the shower scene with Tubbs and Trudy, and it's like they're in love and they're happy and they're smiling. And then you get the very similar scene with Crockett and Isabella in Cuba, and. You can see on Colonel Farrell's face, uh, and I, I think I made a note, it's really good acting, that his face is one of, what am I doing? And then he looks at her and he smiles, but when he's hugging her, he's clearly going through some stuff going, this is wrong, mm -hmm. I shouldn't be doing this. And I think that's why you've got Tubbs and Trudy there to show the juxtaposition. Well, I'm wondering if Tubbs and Trudy should be married and they're more, because you're in this, you're in this deep op right. and you know that you're up against these people that can, uh, that can get at reach you. Oh yeah. Why you still, wouldn't you want to just kind of like not be together so that you can not run the risk of being targeted to affect, to get after the tubs, which is his back. you know what I mean? I mean, in real life, he wouldn't be paired with his girlfriend anyway. No, no, no. I'm <laughs> yeah. But I'm saying like, you know, 
you know you're going into deep undercover, right? And you know that anyone that's around you, they're gonna they're gonna target. target right. So maybe don't live together, or don't stay together, or don't don't be. You know what I mean? Don't show yourselves as you're you're a couple, so that they won't go after you, or they won't think about going after you, or to try to get to him. Well, I think the whole thing with, that they were going for with this movie, and they talk about in some of the special features, um, talking to some of the undercover guys that um, Michael Mann was using to learn about this film is that your best background also uses a lot of who you actually are. Mm -hmm. So instead of worrying about sneaking off to be with your girlfriend or your wife, you just have it. You just say that she's my girlfriend. Uh, yeah. Kind of thing. And you, you have this life that's very similar. Like Sonny talks about his father trying to be in a rock band. It didn't really work out. So he ended up being a trucker that he didn't see much mm -hmm. is his real backstory. And you use that and it's just, you dialed up to turned up to 10 or 11. Michael Mann says. So, uh, maybe I think if they were just married, it would have been a little bit more of a juxtaposition to Farrell and, uh, excuse me, Sonny Crockett and Isabella. And yeah. Isabella. Um, kind of like they are, you know, together, they have made a commitment to each other. Right. You know what I mean? Rather than there's no lies there. Rather than having Crockett and Isabella's relationship where it's kind of based on lies. So I, maybe I just want that little extra step. But honestly, sure. that's just me. Do you Did you read the same note I read about Colin Farrell's preparation? Uh, that they pumped yeah. him with an undercover up. Oh yeah. So he, so F Fox and Farrell had to went on several undercover operations from a safe distance, and the the co the cops, the officers that were helping him, said like, oh no, F they were like, oh Farrell, you do a really good job. So they had him participate in a real sting, and I guess he was scared for his life. I guess at one point he ripped open his shirt to reveal he wasn't wearing a wire, and he's like, and they're like, no, no, you did a good job, a good job. But that night he started suffering from anxiety and insomnia. He had to call the agent in charge and say, listen. I'm freaking out here. And, like, and he had to tell him like, oh, don't worry about it. It was all staged. The, the next day they, they were going to tell him the next day that it was all yeah. staged. I go, that's awesome. I know I'm probably, I'm sure Colin Farrell doesn't think that, but I thought that was great. Oh, Colin Farrell, <laughs> like they, in the DVD extras, he talks about it. Yeah. And he goes, it's great. They punked me so bad. Like, I'll never forget that moment. I'll never forget. Like, yeah, I guess he pulled a gun. The other guy pulled a gun at one point out. Like, cause he didn't pull it out to point at anybody, but he pulls it out to let him know he's done. He means business. So I start freaking out and I'm like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. You think I'm a cop? We ain't no cops. So he's yeah. like freaking out. Yeah, that's awesome. That is really cool. <laughs> I think one of the reasons I like movies like this and one of the reasons I like a lot of spy movies and stuff, and I don't know if I talked about this, is that, and Michael Mann mentioned it in the documentary, which is like, oh, maybe that's why I like it, is that undercover work or spy work and stuff like that is like going, is like acting where you only get one take. Yeah. It's like being the greatest actor of all time. And I think that's another reason I'm I'm really drawn to these kind of films and the undercover stuff and all that. I think that's really interesting to me. Yeah, but this is, I mean, we also have another movie. So uh, Tinker Taylor was this season, right? Correct. Okay. We also or no, have, it was last season. Was it last season? Yeah, because it wasn't a summer film. Yeah. We also have another movie with Syrian Hines who he's in a role and it's like he's not even in the movie that much. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, he's in this movie way and more than yell he at him an awful lot. Like they're just like like belligerent to uh, him. When uh, Colin, well, at first they're obviously they have a right to be. I mean, he killed he killed Alonzo. He got Alonzo killed well, big time, and his wife. Like, they had give a, you we yeah. give you RCI, and you six months later they're both dead. Because mm -hmm. well, that's the other thing. Not to cut you off, the whole idea was to find out where the leak was from. And they right. find it in a cool way when he's like, hey, listen, give you the ship to shore message. Oh, yeah. It's Tuesday for the FBI. Wednesday. Yeah. And for so they figure out it's in the FBI. And that's it. That's it. We're not going to ever go back and find out who the leak was. Well, I don't think that that's not what at that point, Crockett and Tubbs were still going to get that information. But at that point, Crockett and Tubbs's mission were to get in deep with Montoya. And like they said, light it up from the inside. Right. Get Montoya's location. Get everything about your uh, stuff. 
uh, they didn't get Montoya, but they kind right. of found out where Montoya was. It's just that he was so good he yeah. vanished. Which is also realistic, because like Montoya doesn't have connections with the army and the government, like most giant drug pins. Uh, right, 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 pins right. Um, but I think that was their mission. So once they identify as the FBI, their job is done at that point. Now mm. that becomes um, Fujima's job is to find those FBI agents that mm-hmm. uh, caused that leak. I guess. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. I did. I do have a note at one point when Colin Farrell does snap at him the second time they meet. Go, you mother, you fucking, you just want to think. It's like just out of nowhere. Well, I was, I think that was because of Isabella. That's yeah, why. he's just going naked. Yeah. Like, so I think they're trying to show you that. Like, damn. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, but you, you get an idea of their uh, relationship because they're both like, I'm with you 100%, 100, but you know, I back your play 100. Like, it's always, like, uh, there's no doubt there. Right. Um, I, like you said before, you know, they're not in a lot of scenes together. You kind of want them to be in a lot of scenes together because you want that their relationship is the basis for the movie and for the TV show, obviously. But right. Um, yeah. So it, it is kind of a little bit of missed opportunity. It was like it's trying to be an ensemble, but also uh, a movie, you know, a partner uh buddy cop not buddy cop but you know what i mean like a right partner style movie but it's trying to do a little bit of both it seems like this movie's trying to do a lot of everything and like you said just kind of it's it misses the mark a little bit i'm talking just script wise uh once again i am not talking visually visually i think this movie is on par the the i like the scene at the end a lot the the gunplay right Um, it's realistic it's gritty it's nice yeah uh you know I, I i enjoy all that i enjoy the look of it um i mean i know we always ask like why you think it's forgotten uh i don't know if i mean it's i'm 50 50 on the summer release so that's fine uh um but i think that the problems that we're talking about which probably were exponentially bigger in the theatrical release right yes probably affected it they are they're definitely the theatrical release made everything that was that is problematic with this movie worse the isabella storyline which i still don't like it still doesn't need to be there and does take away from the film i think isn't explored at all in the film it's it's there are very few scenes and it doesn't make any sense and in this it makes a little bit more sense you get to see them kind of fall for each other a little bit more but it still shouldn't be in this film well i'm wondering in the theatrical release if they didn't have as much stuff with isabella what the hell is crockett doing during the movie he's off with isabella but they weren't, they weren't having it. So they go to was, Havana for Mojito. So they do it, but they don't really show yeah, too much. I don't remember a lot of that other stuff with his, her, uh, her aunt's house and mm-hmm. Tia's house and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't recall a lot of that. I think the shower scene is still in there, but. Shocker. <laughs> it just, it's not necessary for the film. So even in this unrated cut, I feel like it shouldn't still be there, but in the theatrical, it makes no sense and it jumps around and it's more disjointed. Yeah. Um, and this also explains a lot more of the, the case in general and doesn't just cut to these action shots, but I do think something's wrong with this unrated cut is it is long. Yeah. And with that Isabella stuff, the movie slows down to a slog. Um, and I don't think that helps. Uh, yeah, I can understand that. Um, but I still think it's an interesting movie. I think the storyline is still pretty interesting. The case that they're working on is interesting. The style, like you said, is in there. Yeah. It, it should have gotten, it, it could have deserved, it could have gotten sequels. Yeah. I mean, it's just not, it's not a, it's not strong on the script end, uh, just because of variety of things, not because the script was bad, but things you know, got in the way. Right. Yeah. As, as things do, sometimes when things get in the way, sometimes they break well. 
and sometimes you have happy accidents and you know yes you know everything starts with the script and yes you do have movies that have just fantastic scripts but it's a misnomer to think that when a great even the best written movie when it's when it goes to the screen that they're not making changes as they go. You right. know what I mean? It's just whether the, the changes they make work or not. Um, not that every, you know, Oscar winning movie, you know, doesn't, doesn't have like, it has script changes. So it's, it's just a misnomer to think that, you know, well, everything does start with a script. That doesn't mean that it is still written out as they go. They talk For about sure, yeah. in movie, in, in, in filmmaking, they talk about you write your movie three, three times, once in the script stage, once as director, and then once as an editor. So, this this just didn't the, the pieces didn't fit great. It fit enough to give you something, um, but not enough to maybe uh, attract more of an audience. But again, the style and the look of it is fantastic. Um, it's everything that you know about Michael Mann within the movie. Yeah. Uh, so there's I, I don't. I mean, I never saw. I've only seen the theatrical cut once, so it's tough for me. I'm trying to go back and forth, but uh, I would definitely recommend this movie uh, if people are into Michael Mann. Like, oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I know that I, I, I don't recommend any Michael Mann movie. I guess that, that's probably I shouldn't really. If you like Michael Mann, <laughs> yeah. you can recommend it. If you like um, gritty, real police kind of drama films, this is definitely really cool. That's just the story kind of falters a little bit, but the investigation is cool. The way it's filmed is cool. The locations are cool. The fact that these are all like real, that all this is real stuff going on is awesome. And the fact that because it's a Michael Mann movie, you know, it's all real. You know, he did his research, you know, they're, they're in it. The actual places where they're supposed to be filming and stuff like that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Which is, which is, we, we both talked about that when we did thief. So yeah. One of the things that makes me sad is while I was watching the special features, they show a little bit of the rap party for the movie and Michael Mann's like, thank you. And everybody goes, and the next one, we're going to go to even more exotic locations. We're going to, we're going to really like ratchet it up again. And it's going to be really, really cool. The next one's going to be great. Damn but it. Never got an next one. Ridiculous. <laughs> Ridiculous. Come on. I would have been okay with the second one. We still got time. It's 2021. Let's go. It's only 15 years old. Isn't it? Well, he's doing, uh, we talked about it briefly before the podcast, but he's, uh, I don't know when it's coming out, but he's doing Tokyo vice, which is an HBO max series. That's going to, take place in tokyo but it's supposed to be about the underbelly but i'm all in i'm oh, all yeah. in there absolutely i'm i'm pretty much all in on any michael mann movie i'm i'm you know i hear about i'm like oh michael mann all right like <laughs> there's probably like a uh maybe eight to ten directors that if i know they've got a new movie coming out i want to watch it right you know that's not that's not, not a lot but you know he's one of them so uh i guess i guess yeah so i don't know I'm that glad you didn't not like this movie. No, I, I come on. I listen. Well, because I knew like it, I'm like this. Like, well, because I knew this one. Ogre. had I knew this one had problems and I, I the problems are apparent with this one. But I'm glad that you liked the same things that I enjoyed about this movie yeah, as well. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Mike, uh, where can they find us? You can find us at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or wherever you check out your podcast. Find us there. Leave us a rating, a review, subscribe, you know, all that good stuff. Uh, you can also find us on the socials at Forgotten Cinema Pod or Forgotten Cinema Podcast, depending on where you are we post every day of the week including fun commercials every thursday so check those out and if you're a youtube person we're also on youtube so you can check us out there as well <laughs> <laughs> so join us next week uh we are forgotten summer rolls on actually we're in the, hitting a home stretch here we're gonna be doing the 1996 movie lone star which mike has not seen nope sorry it's matthew mcconaughey and chris cooper as uh, father and son but it's told in different time periods this is uh my john sales film so i'm wondering if butler will like it it's uh it's interesting. I've not seen it in a while, but I know I liked it. But you never know. Things could change.
It's going to be another uh, Palmetto situation? No, it won't be. No, <laughs> no. Because I, I, I confused Palmetto with another movie, but I'm still glad we watched it. But... Uh, no, I do not do know what this movie's about. So, okay. yeah, so sorry about that. I apologize. We're going to bring up the Palmetto stuff all the time now? No, it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't right? that bad. All right? All right? It's just folks, funny. Folks, okay. So. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> you, you get the hell off this podcast. <laughs> all right, so that's next week. Uh, until then, I'm Mike Field. I'm Mike Butler. And this has been Forgotten Cinema. Wait, Forgotten Summer. Oh, that's terrible. But I'm keeping it. Nice. Nice. Well done. Forgetting summer sizzles along. Oh, that's what you should have said. Oh, no, let's do it again. I, <laughs> I won't do that. I'll do something else. I'll do that take a limit thing. <laughs> I like that song. All right. So until then, I'm Mike Field. I'm Mike Butler. And this has been Forgotten Cinema. Wait, it's been Forgotten Summer. Let's take it to the limit one more time. <laughs> <laughs>